Amen. You may be seated. Hold on just a minute. Y'all can go. Just don't play yet. Silence is interesting. One of the most difficult things for a public speaker to get accustomed to is silence. It's a fear of silence when speaking that one develops the habit of going, um... Uh, uh, um, um, I know this because when I first started speaking, everything went well, I thought, until I got married. Silence is deafening. Christy started traveling with me, and pre, I was preaching in different churches. And after speaking one day, one evening, I said, How was it? She said, It's all right. Not what I wanted to hear. I said, Why? What was wrong? Nothing. It was good. (laughs) Obviously, the newspaper did not have enough print to share all that kind of praise. (laughs) I said, really, what's wrong? And she said, well, if you really want to know, point number two didn't make any sense. I thought you belabored that story way too long. Uh, I thought uh, you, you were really repetitive at this point. And in general, I mean, people seem to like it. So it's okay. We did not talk again for two and a half hours on the ride home. <laughs> Later I said, you need to help me. So I want to get better. So you need to help me. You can help me now. Thank you. And so I'm going to ask you to help me get better at speaking. So I need you to let me know when I make mistakes or when something's not good and help me develop. And so she said, okay. I did not know what that meant. What it meant to her was she brought a notebook to church. I thought it was so she could write down all my brilliant points. What I discovered is that she would make a check mark every time I said, um. A line every time I said, uh. And at the end of the service, we got in the car and I said, how was it? And she opened her notebook. 
You said um 37 times. You said uh 73 times. Point two still doesn't make any sense. And you've belabored that story way too long. Except now it was worse because she had plenty of notes to back up everything that she said. I became accustomed to silence for those two and a half hours on the ride home. And then after that, I tried to get better at speaking and becoming accustomed to silence. But we, we rarely enjoy, truly enjoy silence. On Monday, Thursday, we're celebrating the day that Jesus went to the upper room and sat with his disciples and had what we call the Last Supper and he broke the bread and he blessed it, he broke it and he gave it to them. He, he had the cup and he gave it to them and, and, and we, we celebrate this moment as he's telling his disciples of what he will do and he's saying, remember this moment, remember what I'm going to do for you. It's, it's a beautiful remembrance but for Jesus for Jesus it began it began a time of great silence when you when Jesus left that upper room he went to the garden to pray with some trusted disciples and said hey would you pray with me he went a little ways further and he knelt down and began to pray and after a while of of travailing before the father he got up and he went back to those disciples and he found them asleep. Those that he wanted there to support him, to to speak into him, to pray for him, to, to help him, they were asleep. He went back and he cried, he woke them up, but then he went back and he cried out to the father again. If there, if there's anything else that can be done, please, please, let's change this plan. He became so stressed and stretched that he sweated, as it were, great drops of blood. He goes back and they're asleep again. After a few repetitions of this, he finally looks at them and says, go ahead and sleep. The Father has touched me. The Father has spoken. The angel has ministered to me. I'm going to be okay. Just sleep. It's after that that we find Judas leading the the Roman soldiers into the garden in order to be able to arrest him. And and they arrest him and they take him to Pilate. And now the world around him is crazy. The world around him is yelling. The world around him is accusatory. The world around him is, is saying, you are wrong and you deserve judgment. And it's Jesus that is silent. Doesn't say anything doesn't defend himself, doesn't try to make it right, doesn't try to get them to understand. None of that. He's silent. It's only when Jesus said, are you really the Messiah? That, that, uh, that Pilate says, are you really the Messiah? That Jesus says, you have said so. He's then taken and the crown of thorns is placed on his head and the, the whip is applied to his back and he's taken to this hill called Golgotha and and he's placed upon a cross. It's cacophonous around him. People yelling and screaming. People, this is the show of the day. If you, in that moment, in that day, this would be what we would say was the circus. It's, it's people gathering together to see those who are condemned, carrying their own cross, 
through the streets, made a public spectacle, and then they are, they are laid upon that cross and nailed to that cross. And then the cross is lifted up and it drops down into the hole, the receptacle that's prepared for it. And there they hung in pain and torment. This is what Jesus did for you and for me. And yet, for him, for him, there was a new kind of silence that had developed. We, we see Jesus on the cross crying out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The communion that he had had with the Father from, from the beginning of time, the, 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 the communion that he knew with the Father was suddenly broken and now he doesn't have that easy access to the Father and, and he, he wonders, why? Why have you forsaken me? For the first time in his existence, Jesus does not have the voice of the Father speaking. There's something beautiful when your father speaks, your mother speaks. There's something beautiful when one who loves you that has power and authority speaks. We, we've heard that, we've, we have felt that, we've felt the calming nature of hearing the voice of one that loves us, that has power and authority. Just speak, let us know that they are there. And Jesus on the cross, it's silent for him. There is no voice. Why have you forsaken me, he cries. And then he hangs his head and dies. From this point, Joseph of Arimathea goes to Pilate and says, Hey, can, can I take his body? And Nicodemus, who first went to him by night, brought some oils and some things to prepare the body and and the scripture tells us that in the same garden where he was crucified, there was a tomb. And they put him in that tomb because, well, it was almost a Sabbath. And they weren't going to be able to work and carry him to a, another tomb on the Sabbath. So they had to put him somewhere fairly quickly. I think this is why the women came back just a couple of days later in order to be able to dress his body and prepare him for, for burial. That's what they would have done. But... But they had to get him in the ground before Sabbath because otherwise he would have just laid there. And so they take him and they put him in the tomb and, and the stone is rolled over the mouth of the tomb. And once where the crowd screamed and yelled and once where Jesus cried, it is finished. And, and, and once where the weeping and the wailing of the mothers and the families of those who were condemned was ringing loudly, there was now just silence. And for three days, there was silence. And sometimes it might seem like in your life, it is silent. Like the voices of those who you love and that you care for, they, you don't hear them anymore. I, I've talked to widows who have said, I, I can't remember the, the sound of my husband's voice any longer. I, I've talked to people saying, I can't remember what it sounds like to hear certain things that were so prevalent and so beautiful and so powerful in my youth or in days gone by. But in your world right now, it may be silent. Maybe you're full of ideas most of the time, but right now you, you found yourself in a silent time. 
where you're not hearing the same things you normally hear. Silence scares people. How many times have I heard over the years, Pastor, I do okay in the day. During the day, I'm doing fine. During the day, I'm, I'm, I'm going about my business and everything seems okay. But it's in the silence of the night that my anxiety rises. People eat too much at night. People drink too much at night. The old saying is, nothing good happens out in town after 12 o'clock at night. In the silence, anxiety rises, depression rises, thoughts race, people lay awake at night, their eyes open, staring, wanting to go to sleep, but can't go to sleep. And sometimes you hear of people, and I know folks who play the TV all night long, because they just don't want the silence. But can I remind you of something? In the silence of the garden, it looked like nothing was happen, happening. It looked like God was gone. It looked like everything was over. But it was actually in the silence that God was doing the greatest miracle that humanity would ever, ever witness. It was in the silence that Jesus was descending from that grave, from this planet Earth, into the depths of the Earth. It was the holding place where the, the, those who had, gone, who had died in the, under the covenant, they had died and gone before, but Jesus had not yet been crucified. The, the sin of their life had not yet been paid for. And so they could not enter into the heavenly place. This is what I believe Jesus was talking about in the parable of the, of the rich man and Lazarus, where Lazarus was in Abraham's bosom. He, he's in the holding place of the dead, one of the holding place sides of the holding place was a place of beauty and, 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 and peace and tranquility. The other was not. The rich man was in the knot. Lazarus was in the place of beauty and tranquility. And the rich man was saying, just dip your, dip your finger in water and put it on my tongue. Jesus descends and then he leads captivity captive. He takes those from that place who had died under the covenant and he leads them out of that place. When Jesus rose again, he rose, but also the graves were open and those who had died in covenant walked out as well. It was in the silent moments that the greatest miracle that God would do for this planet Earth, for you and I, was being done. At the end of the day, defeating death, hell, and grave. Could it be that in the silent moment of your life that God is actually doing the greatest miracle you have ever experienced? Could it be that maybe in this moment of silence in your world you should not be opening your eyes with dread, with anxiety, with depression, but if anything is keeping you awake, could it be the sense of anticipation that my Father who loves me, who cares about me more than I could ever know, is working a miracle in my life right now. I don't understand it. I can't see it. And I hear nothing about it. But I trust him. On the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took 
the bread and he broke, he blessed it and he broke it. He said, this is my body. The body that would be broken and bruised and torn. The body that would pay the price for you and for me. The body that would be brought to that grave and be sealed there for three days. He said, I want you, every time you do this, I want you to remember what I have done for you. And so tonight we remember and we take the body. In like manner, he took the cup. He said, this is the New Testament in my blood. And as often as you drink it, do it in remembrance of me. I invite us to take the cup tonight. Jesus, we thank you. Thank you for the privilege of being your children today. Thank you for being in relationship with you. And and because of you, because of your body and your blood, because of the sacrifice you made, we will not fear the silence. We will not fear the moments when we don't see, don't hear, and don't know what's going on, but we will trust you. Each time we take communion, we're renewing our trust in you, our declaration that you have gone before us, the firstborn of many brethren. You have gone before us and broken the power of sin and death. You have gone before us and defeated death and the grave. You have gone before us. And in the moment, the silent moments of our life, you are working. You are working beyond our understanding. You are working beyond our ability to to comprehend or to even sense. And we trust you in that tonight. We give you thanks and praise for the privilege of being together and worshiping you. In Jesus' name we pray and let everybody say amen. Amen. Let's stand to our feet and let's continue to worship the Lord.